When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. From the southernmost point of Dorne to the lands of always winter, and what is west of Westeros and the shadows in the east, this is Casterly Talk. I'm Ken Napsuck, going to be joined shortly by Andres Ace Cabrera and that Alden Diaz as we take a look at episode six, The Princess and the Queen, episode six of season one of House of the Dragon, directed by Miguel Sapochnik, but the writer is Sarah Hess. She's also executive producer on the show. Of course, you might know her from her work as showrunner of Orange is the New Black. Quick summary of the episode we're going to be discussing about. Ten years have passed since we last hung out with the happy house of Targaryen, and a lot has changed. Rhaenyra Targaryen has two sons, with a third literally on the way, and her husband, Lenore, is clearly not the father. Allison has three kids and her firstborn, Aegon the second sure needs some lessons on what windows are for. Viserys the first looks like Dan Aykroyd's character, nothing but trouble, but he is still trying to make everyone happy at perhaps the cost of true peace for the realm. But all for all the changes, oh, how things have stayed the same. In fact, old battle lines formed a decade earlier are very much hardened and now being passed down to the next generation. Rhaenyra and Daemon seem to be Targaryens trying to reconnect with the idea of being Targaryens why Allison is all alone in King's Landing and in need of allies, which leaves her open to the help of a chaotic firefly making its presence known. The next generation is stepping forward and we are here to talk about it today. Ah, man, this is going to be a lot of fun. Hi, everybody. Um, Gentlemen, get on in here. We have a pretty big episode. It's being being described as a second pilot within season one. So, Andres, we'll start Mm -hmm. with you. Overall thoughts on this episode uh, before we dive on into uh, the minutia. I mean, I think you nailed it as far as everything you were trying to get through so much, almost too much uh, <laughs> in this episode. I feel like they are really moving. They put the gas all the way up to 100. They are flooring it right now yeah. to try and get to, uh, I think, the end of the first uh, part of the Dying of, Drag- of Dragons, which is uh, in Fire and Blood. I- I'm pretty sure that's entirely what they're trying to adapt within the first season. It's insane. It's ridiculous. No. Uh, I, I feel like part of me feels like I wish they would slow down, <laughs> but there's definitely a lot of great yeah. moments in this episode. And I feel like the plot, the main portion of the plot was set up really well. Yeah. Yeah. I'll, I'll jump in for a quick second on that before we, we get in uh, Alden here. Alden, uh, I don't know. We'll see if we have a, 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 a difference on this. I actually agree with, Ald- agree with Andres. Um, almost too much for me a little bit. The time jumps have worked really well so far, but this is the first time and I'm familiar with the book, familiar with the plot. First time I was like, oh man, I really wish we would have slowed down and, and got a little bit more on Harwin and Rhaenyra's relationship. I think there was some room, but I do believe, and all of them, this is something you've said before, when they jump to the meat of the story, it's usually mm-hmm. a good purpose. So I'm totally fine with it. I think my feet are on steady ground. I just, for the first time, felt Oh, I wish we would have jumped five years, two years. I don't know. Ten's a lot, but here we are. This is what they're trying to do, Alden. 
Yeah, I almost feel like I'm sort of, I got a little bit of column A, a little column B. Like, yep. personally, I think it does such a great job of making you like Harwin and Harwin mm-hmm. and Rhaenyra as a, as a unit that you sort of long for more. But I also don't think that makes it less successful, which I don't yeah. think either of you said. Yeah. Um, but yeah. I, I feel like it's almost effective in shocking you and frustrating you of like, oh, and he's, he's well, spoiler alert, and he's mm-hmm. gone. Like that, yeah. that entire idea I think is extremely effective. Mm-hmm. Um, but I also think that the jarring nature of the 10 years is, I think, successful in its own way um, in terms of legacy casting is such a big thing right now. We just had a, a child Princess Leia take over the entire mm-hmm. summer and things like that. And we always are blown away and amazed when they can nail one. And I think that jumping to the furthest, furthest reasonable point mm-hmm. um, was a good way for them to really plant their flag in holistic new takes um, and in actual full evolutions instead of asking Emma, you know, instead of asking them to play sort of a halfway between their take and Millie's take or the same with Olivia, it was able to say, shock them, show them how far gone she is. And I think that that really worked. I I like that point. I really like that point, at least uh, if I'm interpreting it right, uh, where it's like, we, we don't have, like you said, three years down the line, 10, that way it can be played as, as you want it. Emma Darcy mm-hmm. or Olivia Cook, uh, as we see fit, uh, and and it's not uh, it's it's it, there's a lot of growth, a lot of time. I do think it works from that. And I, overall, I think it works. I think, and and I am someone um, who, though I've read Fire and Blood, it's been about two years, and even I had a moment where I went, Harwin, I don't remember that. Oh, I guess so. And I felt maybe that's where I felt lost. Um, so I'll address the kick kick it back to you. Uh, thoughts on Alden's take on that there, and and a little bit more on this jump. Yeah, I think the Allison and Rhaenyra stuff still functions. And I feel like the mm-hmm. Allison jump into womanhood and mm-hmm. into being the queen and into being the boss that she is in this episode worked. And I feel the conflict between Rhaenyra and Allison really, really worked. I just yeah. feel like the yeah. side characters maybe were a tiny bit shafted, uh, mainly Lena, mm-hmm. uh, Harwin. Mm-hmm. Uh, those kind of characters to me, was which was a little bit hard for me to just accept that they're just, hey, look, at oh, they're gone. Mm-hmm. It just felt like very much like them trying to push past this portion of the book and try to get you to where the end of the first chapter ends in this portion of A Dance of Dragons. Yeah. It's 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 very interesting to also pull back and kind of realize, and whether you've, you're out there watching or listening to us here, by the way, thanks for joining us on YouTube or listening on the podcast side. Uh, you know, depending on how familiar you are with the books or not, maybe just watching it because you love the, the first series and you hear for the prequel end of it. Uh, it's it's a good. This episode was a good reminder that this story, no matter how many seasons they have planned, is going to spawn different generations of conflict. Right? This right. is not just Viserys, Renera, and Allison. A lot more names are either arriving or on the way to explode the story out. And this kind of was a good reminder for that. And in terms, I agree with you. You you have this adult uh, Elena character that had a lot of depth gone, and and I knew that was coming. Uh, but Harwin, I think very good, very poignant, very powerful, gone. Again, knew that was common once I kind of jogged my brain on that. But yeah, you, it's a reminder that I guess these side characters are there to serve the main characters. And that doesn't always, not that it doesn't work. Sometimes you just feel that loss. You feel that loss because you like these characters and the performance brings such great life to them. Yeah, and I feel yeah. like part of it too is like, oh, sorry, Alden. No, no, um, please, please. Go. I feel like part of it too is the fact that Game of Thrones were so used to having side characters kind yeah. of steal the show right yeah and, and i feel like that could have been 
Lena, especially Lena. I, I mean, I know a lot of yeah. people are standing Harwin because he's a strong, manly man. But to me, Lena, that's who I'm standing because she mm-hmm. is the tamer and writer of Agar uh, and yeah. because she's awesome. So to me, I felt like learning more about her. And even if they gave her like an episode and a half mm-hmm. would have been great because I know it's not she's not the main focus yeah. of the show. And I know she's not the main character, but I still felt like everything felt so quick and so rushed to the point that I almost undercut uh, a little bit of what they were going for in the episode, at least to me with Lena and Damon. But that's just my opinion, maybe because I do have that cloudedness of the book in the back of my head. <laughs> no, I'm not saying that. And all, I'm definitely a uh, picture back to you here too, but no, I, I agree with you from the point of view all too, of like, it was so good. Her, her conversations with Damon just in this episode alone, alone were so just delicious and, and juicy and um, important because her perspective was pretty strong and her perspective was pretty right uh, in terms of Damon and, and his Targaryen name, their blood, the Ovalarian blood, blood. And it was, it was a powerful episode. The use of, uh, we're talking about the use of, of uh, childbirth and I think the Game of Thrones branding to tell a different kind of um, aggressively real story in this episode. But Alden, I'll get you back in here. Uh, you had something you were going to mm. say. Yeah, I was just going to build off of sort of those Lena points for sure. I think it's almost like it is the second pilot that Sapochnik and Condal were talking about. But I almost wonder if maybe they could have had their cake and eaten it too by way of. And again, I don't want to get into the what they could have done. But that first pilot is able to add a lot of presence for people that don't have a lot in it, like Rhaenys or even the old King Jaehaerys by way of that prologue and i almost wonder if this could have benefited from that like in the years since you know lena Mm. tamed vagar by way of such such and such um anything like that i I almost wonder if there was cold feet and like i'm not going to be like release the deleted scenes with a hashtag that i dedicate (laughs) my life to but we know that there are a lot of them the actors have been posting yeah um you know like uh emily carey posted quite a few and uh, you know little sneak peeks at allison deleted scenes so you almost wonder if there's a mentality of like trying to keep it tighter than maybe not not that a shot at game of thrones season eight but you know they were they weren't afraid of the extended lengths or stranger things with its two and a half hour yeah, season yeah. four finale so i wonder if it's like a let's try to ride that line you sacrifice a little uh, a little bit here and there but to ken to your point it's like it's the generational thing too it's like maybe it's like we have to trust the viewers to have liked lena based on that wedding scene because we have to introduce five children and have yeah. the birth of be our kickoff here. And so yeah. it's a lot. It's definitely a lot. I think it's way more successes than failures yeah. for sure. Yep. I don't think any of them are a failure, but it, it does leave you wanting. That said, you know, I, I do like based on, you know, the text of Lena's death, the changes that they made mm-hmm. um, to tie in with the warrior mentality. Like you could tell they, they were there, yeah. but she's so good that you're sort of like, okay, like I, that was fast. Yeah. The old Pento story is probably 15 minutes total. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, yes. No. Yeah. No, absolutely. Look, and they, 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 they made choices and I'm, I'm always, especially when it comes to like deleted scenes or extended cuts. Look, I'm, I'm a watch the Lord of the Rings extended director's cuts once a year, all day. I love that stuff. But I think I, at the end of the day, a lot of folks, uh, the directors and writers and everything, when they make those changes and they cut the, the, the fat out to get to the, the spine and the meat of the story, I actually usually really on board those changes. So, uh, I would love to see those deleted scenes. Maybe there's another episode out there on the cutting room floor. But uh, the, the, I like where we're at. I think it it does, as you said, brings um, has more successes, more wins than uh, than misses. But uh, yeah, worth worthy uh, discussion point. I also want to 
uh, get to this. Also, uh, you know, uh, this episode written by Sarah Hess. Been waiting to uh, see her direct uh, stamp on this show. She's obviously involved in all the other episodes, uh, part of that writer's room as an executive producer. But this episode, to me, I don't know what you guys thought about this. Um, and this is one of those, you know, uh, Rachel was traveling, uh, couldn't join us today. I w- would love to get uh, her take on this too down the line. I, what I call this classic Game of Thrones branding, which means it, it's brutal and there's brutality and there's blood that you can't ignore for better or worse. And, and sometimes worse, a lot of times worse. Other times it's what the show was trying to do. Uh, this isn't pretty uh, Lord of the Rings world. Uh, we can live in both. Um, but it, this episode really attached to it, these, these themes of motherhood, the gender issues, women's treatment in this realm, which also means ours. And I, I maybe not the one to say how truly effective it was. Uh, this is only my point of view, but uh, it, it could not be ignored is the one thing that this episode really did. It was like, oh, you come to Game, Game of Thrones for the brutal slains and then this and that and sex position from season one. We are going to be really honest, upfront, and um, bloody about what this reality is for these characters. We've already seen the stuff with Ama. Now we start with Rhaenyra. Uh, and to me, you couldn't ignore it, which was part of the point. So I really, uh, for my for my money, and again, I, I'm not the, maybe the expert on, on this, and my perspective is, is small in this conversation. I really did like this episode for that. I don't know what you guys think about that, though. Yeah, yeah. I mean, to that point, like the three of us here, Man, it's like, you know, from the outside looking in, we are jarred from the outsider's perspective with that opening with mm-hmm. this this now adult Rhaenyra versus maybe somebody that can carry children that does have, you know, a uterus can watch it and maybe have direct empathy. It's a different experience and things should be different experiences for different people. Um, as long as you acknowledge that, that's uh, that's what I think is the first step toward actually like good faith analysis with it. But when you see it, it's hard not to immediately think of Ama. You know, and then it ties all the way back in with Viserys having that moment of, of longing at the end and that moment yeah. of sadness, thinking about the wife that he loved truly, purely, implicitly. Yeah. All of those elements sort of come together, um, which has sort of been a, a nice, not nice, but a beautiful sort of long play as, mm-hmm. you know, as he said to her when she rode off to Dragonstone to confront her uncle, like, you know, the Red Keep has lost a warmth that's lost all these qualities. And now we see Rhaenyra step up into that role mm. and it, it has to be done through the same sort of brutal terms to draw that parallel, to echo Emma's words about what our battlefield is. Lena also on the same battlefield. And, you know, we'll talk about the parallel between Viserys and Damon in a little bit about yeah. Damon, I don't like kids Targaryen, mm. uh, now a father of twin girls uh, that he's reading to and things and has to make yeah. a similar choice to his brother. Uh, it, it definitely, in its second pilot nature, mm. decided to approach it with a similar, I think, more tastefully done brutality than the, mm-hmm. than the actual first episode, which was more of a bloodbath. Yeah, uh, this this birth was shot a little bit more carefully, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, but this was, uh, yeah, hard, definitely hard to ignore. Like yeah. you're saying, the both Sapochnik. So there, yeah, Andres, any thoughts on that one too? The big topic well, there. I'm just curious, maybe because you can inform me, what what did Rachel, what is she thinking? Because I I genuinely want to hear her perspective. And even if it's secondhand, (laughs) if I could, because I I, I saw a couple tweets where she mentioned disappointment, but I wasn't sure what she was referring to. Like, I think that was last week. Has she said anything about that or? Mm-hmm. Uh, offhand, I would want to quote her, so we'll have to we'll have to bring her for a special okay. episode <laughs> this week. I think I, just, it was, I, I thought you knew off the top of it. Yeah, head, so. yeah, I, I, yeah, and, and there's a lot of thoughts out there, and too, so I wouldn't want to uh, misinterpret it in any way. But um, 
Uh, other than I, I know she's enjoying this world, but also as a, as a longtime Lord of the Rings fan, uh, I think her heart is is uh, looking across the uh, across the rivers and, and oceans to Rings of Power across a little the bit more city. these days. Uh, but again, she's I know she's enjoyed it, but but um, yet again, it, it, the, 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 going to the pilot and this one, both shot by Sapochnik, I always say it is it's 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 honest in what it's trying to say. Whether or not it should be saying it, whether or not the right people are telling the story, I would say Sarah Hess is is part of. Uh, a good, a good solution, a good good faith step forward on how to tell the story. This series has been pretty honest on what it's addressing with these big mm-hmm. issues. So, uh, But again, as you said, Alden, my perspective is only worth so much in this conversation. I just yeah. personally couldn't, you couldn't ignore it, you know? And I even loved some of the Lenor uh, as a, as kind of the the man smoking cigars in the waiting room type of vibe that he had. Like I, I kind of, the, 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 the clear shocking you know, two sides of that story. It, it was not lost on me. Uh, about oh yeah. What she went I mean, this guy trying to equate getting hit with a lance to childbirth, yeah. like trying to relate after, like, after hearing, up, <laughs> yeah. After hearing from somebody else that it was a boy and showing up late mm-hmm. to the birth and all that, like yeah. it's, it's, it strikes a very clear uh, imbalance between the two of them. And it's like that the, the relationships have all inherited some of the clashing that has happened and, oh, and yeah. there's still the lingering effects of the 10 years prior. But then some people have straight up become their parents in a lot of ways, whether it's Rhaenyra and Emma or Allison Otto, mm-hmm. where mm-hmm. Otto's speech to her about, you know, you will have to cleave to Rhaenyra and everything. Yeah. She projects that directly onto Aegon, the uh, unclothed um, who, you know, shout out to Ty Tennant for, getting in there with a debut performance and, and leaving it all out there and not being afraid to look like a goof. Uh, but she, yeah. she projects the same rage. It's this episode's all about perpetuating cycles. Yes. Yes. The next generation to play there. So, and a lot to get to a lot of talk. So, but if, uh, uh, any other, uh, overall thoughts there, Andres on the episode? I mean, if we're, if we're on this trend and on this thread right now about, female perspective, specifically within Westeros and within this world, uh, I'm, I'm actually more invigorated maybe when it comes to the idea behind what we see in the books of George R.R. R. Martin when the female characters are breaking that trend and are breaking mm-hmm. that like characters like Visenya, um, like Lena, mm-hmm. who rides Vagar and who's the second female writer of Vagar in the book. I almost feel like that is even adding salt to the wound <laughs> mm, mm. because it feels like we did have this opportunity to see, even if we did get that taming scene and it added 10 minutes or five minutes, I, right. I think that would have been a great opportunity for them to show you like, mm. yes, we have Rhaenyra. Yes, we have Allison, but look at Lena. This is a different perspective, a different point of view. And she is dominating the most powerful beast in the planet yeah. and who's like super old and it's just this most powerful untamable monster, but she did that mm-hmm. and she is that powerful. Uh, and she's able to keep up with Damon in a way that even Damon didn't expect. Right. Uh, I felt like that would have been a great opportunity to kind of counter this pain and this sorrow that we feel from Rhaenyra's perspective mm-hmm. throughout this episode, because there is a lot of pain and sorrow in her perspective mm-hmm. uh, as far as dealing with, the people going against her. So yes. just a second thought. That's all. I'm no, sorry. I'm, I'm going to let go of Lena eventually. <laughs> no, look, Hey, here's the thing. You never have to. And, and, and uh, I think you make great points and it's, it's, there's some, some of it is in the subtext, but you're wanting some of it to be in the text. And I think that's, I think that's fair. And I think that's probably what a lot of people are experiencing. It was such a wonderful 
performance in this particular episode. And Elaine has been here since uh, episode one, but in this particular episode, yeah. the aged up uh, performer uh, who is what Swedish? I forgot to write her name down. I apologize. I think name Nana, Nana. Blondell. Nana, yeah, that's right. Um, just yeah, she she was great. I mean, going toe to toe with Damon in a very quiet, intimate way uh, with that kind of scene as their marriage falls apart. Uh, uh, lo- I really love that scene. So yeah, I'm with you on that there. And Vagar was amazing. The design, the look, the feel, you felt the age, you felt the power. It worked for me. Yeah. Mm. They've done such a good job with that. I, I they, they talked about it going in. Like this is not, uh, you know, Drogon recolored um, to be Viserion <laughs> yes. and Rhaegal, which yeah. is, which is not a shot. I mean, they were working with what they had. Yeah. Um, but if you are going to do the now expensive, this is already a worldwide phenomenon and we have the time and we know we have to do this yeah. with, I think by the end, 17, 18 of these dragons, yeah, yeah. Um, then to really give them personality. Um, Cause they're not smog. They're not going to stop and talk. You know, no. and you have to tell a story visually yeah. and to show Caraxes throughout the season as being the baddest of the bad until yeah. he's flying alongside Vagar. And suddenly <laughs> it's like, Caraxes, you better even watch yourself. Like you're, you're young blood in comparison to mm-hmm. this old, uh, I think grandma uh, B word as Miguel <laughs> once called her. Uh, so yeah, it's, it's a really interesting uh, yeah. way to establish some of that history. Cause all, you know, Viserys and Damon have both referenced their history so many times and Balerion's gone. So mm-hmm. to finally see somebody that was present, the only creature left that was present for any of those events yeah, um, is really cool. And, I, and and the way that they sort of bounced between the Westeros and Pento storylines here, they're always, they've always been good about that. I thought it was yeah, well-balanced. Yeah. In terms of like spending yeah. time places, they talked in the inside the episode of wanting to stay with people more than they normally do. Mm-hmm. Like you, you're on Rhaenyra when it opens and you're on Rhaenyra for a while. Yeah, you walk all the way up those stairs. It's, uh, it's a slow through every the Lenor conversation, the Allison conversation, the Viserys conversation. We're stuck what, there for what, a while. Yeah, and just to go into some of the moments, and we can transition to that uh, conversation here. Uh, look at some of the big moments. I think uh, for Emma Darcy to come on into the this series and just have them just come out swinging with an amazing scene that was like. Cersei's walk of shame, which you had a lot of perhaps mixed feelings about Cersei, but a lot of it was understanding and respect, I think. Maybe, I don't know if that's just my perspective on Cersei. Uh, this was that type of effect for me. It was this um, walk of pain, walk of trauma, walk of duty, mm-hmm. walk of I'm going to show you. It was all of those things. And it was an amazing begin to, uh, be- beginning to to Emma's run with the, this character. They're amazing. They really are. I'm blown away by them. I couldn't stop talking about them to friends off air. Like they are, they have transformed and Olivia has too. They've Mm -hmm. taken what was laid out and established for them by the younger actresses. Emma has taken the youthful sort of snark and the twinkle in the eye and the charm and sort of that mischief Mm -hmm. and has shown what a 10 years of disappointment would do to that same core. It's like, it's like a beaten down, hardened, like that's become a quieter resolve. It's not as like winking and like speaking up at the meetings in good faith. Mm, mm. It's a, it's a, it's a jaded Rhaenyra and somebody who's got a hardened confidence, but a hardened confidence for sure. Yeah. And it's one of the things we can discuss with this character throughout this episode, but Rhaenyra still this idea. And I I do think Sarah has talked about it in, in the, inside the episode thing of just, but like, 
10 years have passed. She's in this role. She's, you know, doing what she kind of had not wanted to do, which, you know, marriage, we knew was coming. The kids are here now, but she still kind of wants to be what she was, still sneaking out the back door, still clearly had this relationship. And so this is that episode of, this is why I call it like, what is it? One of the themes is like, what is a Targaryen? Which just means like, what does she kind of want to do going forward? A big moment of change. That's why it kind of reworks as a, as a pilot for me in a lot of ways. A lot to dive into. Um, let's start. We can just go all over the place. Andres, a big moment theme. Where do you want to go first? Because there's a lot of places to go, but I want to follow you into battle here. Uh, why don't we go to the, the kids? Uh, I yeah. mean, obviously we meet Jaceris and Lucerys. Uh, and then obviously we meet Joffrey at the very beginning of this episode. So we get to see who the kids are, how they are, mm-hmm. uh, calling Lenor father, even though it clearly is <laughs> not their father. Uh, and then seeing how Harwin interacts with the kids as well, mm-hmm. who he's like the big, fun, loving uncle Harwin, yeah. uh, who happens to be commander of the city watch, who just hangs out with the yeah. princess every once in a while. Yeah, <laughs> uh, and then obviously Aemond and Helena and Aegon and the contrast between those kids mm-hmm. and the dynamic and the relationship that those two kids have. One of my favorite moments in this episode was mm. Viserys looking at the boys practicing in the yard and being like, look at those boys right. doing boy things. Look, it's great, isn't it? And, awesome. and Lionel's like, sure, I guess. Viserys <laughs> <laughs> yeah. is a riot sometimes. Like yeah. Patty is so good at being unintentionally funny. It's awesome. Yeah, Isn't this great, Sir Lionel? The kids are forming lifelong bonds. Oh, just like they should. Like, what are you seeing, man? What yeah. do you see it? Yeah. So I think the 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 setup of the children was really well done this episode. I, I really mm-hmm. liked it. And I like how they showed you mm-hmm. who the kids are, what the relationship is, and what the relationship is to dragons. I love that scene in the dragon yeah. pit with Jaceres, uh and Vermax because I felt like that kind of shows you like Mm. After all this ends and after all this, you know, hullabaloo about yeah. is it Lenor's kids, regardless, they can control dragons. Like yeah. they're still Targaryen. Yeah. Rhaenyra it's, says it doesn't matter. Yeah, really. mm. exactly. So I feel like that was set up really well, especially with the two mm-hmm. sets of brothers. So, yeah. Yeah. No. And beginning there, first of all, it was I, I did expect myself to be this uh Nerd chill jazz, nerd chills jazz. Uh, is, is that a, is that a band? Uh, seeing the dragon pit in all its glory, including the the ramp walking up. I just, I just picked pictured uh, you know the hound walking up with the with the uh, the sample for Cersei at the uh, so was that season seven. So uh, that was kind of fun there. But a great yeah no absolutely great scene uh, and just the relationship trying to control a dragon and again. What is one of the questions kind of over this episode is what is uh, what is a true true uh, Targaryen? What is true family? Their found family is always a big theme. And we jump even to the end with, with them showing up at Dragonstone and, and Renera and her family, her unit at that time, as they kind of run from the storm, uh, uh, which we can talk about later. But anyways, yeah, the Vermax stuff, all the, I don't know what you thought there, but I thought it was really effective. I love that scene because when you combine that with, well, first of all, there's the, if you back it up the whole episode, there's that trend with it's Lena and uh, is it Bela? I can't remember which twin is having the conversation. Um, which twin doesn't have a hashtag? Oh, yeah, it's uh, Reyna, I think, yeah. Reyna, Reyna. Bela's the one that he pays attention to because she does have a dragon. Yes. The queer, the, 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 the very clear favoritism happening there. Yes. But, uh, yes. yeah, this whole idea of everybody sort of emphasizing, well, it doesn't always happen immediately, and there are mm-hmm. other ways to bond, and sometimes it takes a long time, and I have to, I didn't get an egg, and I have to go find Vagar, and there's, like, this whole, there's this trend of the kids all having to find their own way, but in mm-hmm. that, 
mm. particularly with the boys. They all have these character moments that sort of establish their roles as elder, younger, uh, you know, bastard, not bastard, chip on the shoulder or not. Eamon's, yeah. uh, a- you know, very clearly being set up. Uh, the one thing they can all agree on is to bully him. Uh, yeah. Being yeah, th- that ship is already developing that that streak of being vengeful. Uh, Jaceris is the one that's asking these questions as the oldest. He's the one that is more aware of the situation than little Luceris, who's more in, in for play and mm-hmm. is the younger brother. Uh, Aegon having sort of like obviously his now very memeable scene, but also just showing you that first of all, that is the most cursed window in mm-hmm. all of Westeros, uh, mm-hmm. as we will see uh, some 200 years later with King Tommen. Uh, but there's also that that idea that he, much like his mother before him, hasn't been brought into the great game yet. Yeah. Like, he doesn't... He, he, and he even says, he's like, well, I thought that Rhaenyra would be... Like, he he's going along with his grandfather's ways and is yeah. going to get that youthful innocence beat out of him. Yeah. Um, they all are sort of like... You're witnessing the transformation of cousins are cousins into factions are factions yeah and it's happening very quickly um and obviously we'll talk about harwin and Kristen kicking that into the next level Mm -hmm. um but yeah it's a sad thing to watch almost where the only child right now it's allowed to be a child is helena and she's got her own stuff going on maybe a dragon dreamer right that's what a yeah, lot of people are something going on there. You know, we know a, she, lot, a lot of comments about eyes. A lot of comments about eyes and Eamon having to close one. For those not familiar with it, we'll just let that linger there. Uh, Andres, uh, uh, anything else about this here? This is a great way to st- way to start the episode, uh, our, our deeper discussion, because, yeah, this is a big theme. This is about the generations. This is about the cycle of, uh, um, well, I guess, yeah, cycle of violence, but also the, uh, the hardened lines being passed down. Yeah, and it really goes to show you that at the end of the day, this world of Westeros and House of the Dragon and Game of Thrones still comes down to like family drama. And mm-hmm. I really like that because there is that still little notion of relating to that, where if you were ever growing up and your mom just didn't like this one lady and you hanged out mm-hmm. with their kids, you're like, oh, that that mom's a little chismosa. <laughs> like you can't hang out with her. Like, <laughs> uh, I, I feel like that's a that's a very relatable thing that you can relate yeah. to. Uh, being a kid inside this world mm. uh, so I felt like that's really well done but I do feel like the the dragon dynamics of it all is really important because it shows you that raising these dragons and learning how to teach these dragons is going to be so important in the future yeah and I also also think of Viserys and his thoughts on it that we've got uh, running through the series too of, of this is a power we never should have tried to uh, tackle try to tame it wasn't for us and it just uh, as you're watching the next generation uh, you know understandably getting excited understandably attaching so much self worth to I don't have a dragon out of an egg and 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 seeing the next generation play with those uh, expectations or struggle underneath them it was uh, yeah very realistic very realistic. Mm. Yeah, I mean, that point sort of highlights some of the tragedy of Rhaenyra as somebody who was forward-thinking. Her mm. and her father have so much in common because they're almost people out of time. Like, I've said that Viserys is sort of a man out of time. He's mm. born way too late to be part of the stories and legends that gave him hope yeah. and that gave him love and, and, and real intrigue and interest. But born way too early, way too early, even by the time of Game of Thrones too early, yeah. to have this genderless line of succession that he is trying to put forth. That's a progressive idea by their standards. It's not going to happen. Um, 
and Rhaenyra has a little bit of that too, where she's ahead of the curve in terms of their family specifically. And that's why she was chosen. Mm-hmm. Yes, despite Damon, as you know, drunk yeah. Viserys would later admit, but her passing that test of when you think about our family, what do you think about? What do you see? When you see the dragons, what do you see? Like the fire, the power. Yeah. And she says that we're not gods. Mm-hmm. And even though she has that breakthrough, it's a breakthrough that only she'll ever have because it's only been a little over a decade since that point. I think if you mm-hmm. add it all up, what, like 14, 15 years since the pilot. Yeah. Um, and uh, well, nobody else shares that. All these yeah. kids already have a God complex. They're already <laughs> latching on your kids, her kids. Doesn't matter. You might yeah. be the only one that's ever come to that epiphany yeah. until Jon Snow. Like, it yeah. does, like it never happens again. Yeah. So it's, it makes her more lonely as a, I think. Yeah, both, both, yeah, Rhaenyra and, and Allison, a lot of changes. Uh, this episode goes a long way to maybe make you upset at Allison. I don't know if the episode does, but I know a lot of people are. And I'm still here to defend Allison to some degree every episode. I don't know why yet. Maybe I'm analyzing yeah. it in my own soul. But there's some about this. This episode starts with a little bit of like, damn, Allison, what are you doing? But uh, she's left alone. She's left alone, left alone, and sometimes maybe sees, I don't know, Viserys is once again kind of overlooking her. She, the, can you not see the truth? All that kind of stuff in this, in this uh, the theme of honor. Honor's big in this episode. Honor's kind of one of those themes that pops up a lot in Game of Thrones, House of Dragon content. But this episode is a lot about honor and how you view honor and how you can maybe weaponize honor, which I think Allison does both. I think that's the, if there's any purpose to the uh, window seal scene, <laughs> it is mm-hmm. Allison kind of honor and decency are big. And here's what your kid, the future king, who you want to be king is doing. A lot of stuff there. A lot of stuff there. What do you guys think about Allison so far in this episode, Andres? Yeah, I mean, I, I'm 100% with you as far as what she views as honorable. Like from her perspective, it's not just about I want my son to be king. It's the fact that Rhaenyra is so confident in her inheritance of the Iron Throne that she doesn't even think she needs to be having kids within the marriage. She's that brazen yeah. and brash and, and so unreliable and so dishonorable mm-hmm. that she chooses to not even have kids with her own husband. She feels like it's a spit in the face to all of Westeros, to Westerosi mm-hmm. tradition, to her family, to everything that is what's supposed to be standing for within the Targaryen name and within her own family name. So I feel like they did a really good job giving you her perspective as far as why she's so upset. It's not just that Rhaenyra is going to inherit the Iron Throne and I want it to be my son. It's yeah. that Rhaenyra is going to inherit the Iron Throne and she won't even have kids within her own husband and within her own marriage. Mm-hmm. And she feels like that's so irresponsible. And here I am basically like being submitted and used my entire life for my body and you can do whatever you want. And that's Mm. just not fair. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. 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 I mean, she, she, she's obsessed with that lack of fairness and what would have been maybe loneliness or isolation because of it was exacerbated into like a really pointed rage by her father because to have the, 
you know, the, the, the scenes that they've had by the tree, the multiple scenes that the, the tree has always been the point of their disagreements and the gods mm-hmm, would. That's mm-hmm. where they have their uh, their first clash being very minor about studying and responsibilities. Yeah. And that built all the way up to the did you do this with Damon and then the lies that were half truths, half lies, all that um, that compounded. Otto takes that and adds gasoline to it into a not only is she, you know, did you did you, did you choose her, quote unquote, as he puts it in her yeah. mind. But she will do X, Y, and Z things. So, like, you see this paranoia in her in this episode, this loneliness where, like, the only mm-hmm. person that, like, will listen to her is Laris, who we'll talk about. But that that entire idea that will <laughs> – great guy. Uh, that entire idea that Solid. she really is buying into her own Kool-Aid in a certain way. She's drinking her own Kool-Aid, buying in her own hype. I mix those. Um, she, Her and Kristen mm-hmm. are a toxic feedback loop where she gets mad at him for dropping the C word on Rhaenyra mm-hmm. and is like, we're above that. But then yeah. it's like, we see what your kid does. We see what you do. We see how you treat your kid. We see all the machinations that you've been involved with. And like, I'm not going to put too much blame on her for things that go down. Like at hair and all, she did not explicitly did not ask for that. This is an unhinged person, but it has shown that she has no control. She's like a, a wounded yeah. animal and is going to lash out um, because mm. she feels this dread that's been hanging over her for a decade is now closing in because the ticking time bomb is her deteriorating husband, as Otto put in her mind, who now has one arm, is looking like death, is probably only alive because it looks like there was a maester change. Mm-hmm. I believe the younger maester has now ascended yeah. um, even to the small council role. Mm-hmm. So maybe he's finally getting some other methods. But everything about her is... You know, I, I don't want to. I don't want to lean into the political conversation, but you know, Olivia Cook did touch on that of like using a certain archetype of woman in, here in America to to build Allison's characterization off of one who doesn't really think about others because you're so obsessed with appearance mm-hmm. and the tragedy. You know, to your point, Ace, about Rhaenyra, like from her point of view, it's you have no respect for familial customs or tradition or structure. But we know, the, we as the viewers know that what Rhaenyra is doing is out of an arrangement with that husband mm-hmm. and that she, more than anyone in the realm, respects that husband as a gay man and is doing right by that husband as a gay man. And that they have, up until this episode where they have to have a little bit of an argument, they've had 10 years of an arrangement. Mm-hmm. But this is not the world that will let Rhaenyra be mm-hmm. that good person. That we won't let her be the gay ally that she is. We won't let her be the mom that she is. Yeah. So it's like Allison is the world, and Rhaenyra is change, and they won't mesh. I, I, I like that. I like that take. I like that take. You're pitching something pretty uh, deep there with Allison that uh, that I'm uh, I'm uh, I'm liking there. I don't know what you think there, Andres, but just like uh, and, and Andres, I think wrote it too. It's like you see Allison's point of view. All through and going back, you're so right. All to go back to the first scene under the tree and the difference between the two. Uh, there's a little bit of uh, you know the the um, uh, you know the, the the sibling that watches the 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 brother or sister get away with everything and no one cares about your story. You know that prodigal son's uh, brother type of uh, biblical story. Mm. I see a lot of that in Allison, and I think it's I understand in perspective whether or not she's in uh, in the right or in the wrong right now. We're, we're looking at uh, how that's going to play out. But um, that I, I wrote down the the her um, uh, Allison's wine sip of a exasperation with Rhaenyra a little bit later on, which isn't necessarily right or fair to Rhaenyra, but just that kind of like oh, it's been like this forever since junior high. She's been like this, but I just I really yeah. in a weird way I understood that 
whether or not I agree with her right now on everything. I don't know. Uh, Andres, I'll pitch it back to you on the team green here. Yeah. I mean, it really is about keeping up that tradition and keeping within Mm. uh, customs and and the way that she felt like she needed to do what they, what she needed to do. And and that's not reciprocated with Mm -hmm. Rhaenyra where she is not doing her duties uh, by making heirs within her own arranged marriage, which is with Lenor, and, and that should be something that she's doing. And it's almost they they paint it really well because they make it seem like that's what broke the straw on the camel's back when it comes to Allison, not necessarily her dad's speech about you know cling to Rhaenyra mm. or prepare Aegon for war. It's more about like okay, I'm thinking about it. I'm leaning towards what my dad said. But let me see at least if she's trying to make, you know, heirs. And then when she sees that it looks nothing like Lenor and she probably learns from Kristen Cole that Lenor is not even interested in women. Mm-hmm. That is what breaks the straw on the camel's back for Allison as far mm-hmm. as just really going against Rhaenyra and trying to push her son for heir. Because in her mind, it's the true heir. It's, it's not mm-hmm. a fake bastard heir. So I think they did a really yeah. good job setting that up, but also making her seem a little bit um, bitter. I think that's the word, bitter mm-hmm. and, and just resentful towards Rhaenyra. Right. Well, and to your point, like in terms of this stuff with the heirs and like trying to make sure that everything runs, she has like a savior complex almost. And it started with just the inhabitants of the Red Keep. And that, well, it started with King Viserys, to be truthful. Like Otto sending her to comfort this grieving friend of his, the king. Mm-hmm. It was, okay, your responsibility as my kid now is to go do what I say and comfort him. Mm-hmm. And then it was, now your responsibility is to mother his children. Now your responsibility is to him and House Hightower. And it just kept going and going and going until he basically told her the responsibility of all of Westeros not descending into murderous chaos is on you. And that has made her, like, you can see it in her interactions with Viserys. She doesn't think that Viserys takes us seriously anymore. Mm-hmm. She doesn't think that anyone around her takes anything seriously. And it has driven her to the point where she will look an actual solution and, right. and in the eye and just be like, no. Because yep. it doesn't align with this savior version of herself that she's built up in her mind, whether mm-hmm. that was herself mm-hmm. or with Otto. It's sort of like a, sometimes you're like, oh, well, they had problematic views, but they were a teenager. And it's like, yeah, well, that teenager is going to be 18 soon, and then they can affect the rest of the world. So it's like Emily Carey's Allison was that teenager. Olivia yeah. Cook's Allison can vote. And that <laughs> has become a very dangerous sort of thing. She's and yeah, she like there's a meme right now that's like a I want problems. And it's like, here's a solution. And then it burns the solution and goes, No, I want problems. Yeah, like, that's the thing. I, I yeah, and, and I'm gonna get your thoughts, Andres, on that Renera moment at the end. I I believed Renera in that moment, meaning probably not what she wanted to do, but felt that maybe it was right to do uh, something about Renera, maybe stepping forward, maturing into the role that she is gonna have or feel she has that can be part of the conversation. But yeah, to the Allison point, and I I still really I think I just. I don't know. I, I don't want to say I'm rooting. I'm not rooting for either of them. I, and I, I'm just rooting for the story to play out as it is. But Allison's a little radicalized in this episode. And I think that's the point, right? She's a little bit of yeah. make Westeros great again. And you're not cleaning up your own house. And then your house is going a little crazy. And now you got the firefly uh, flying around, buzzing around your uh, flower that's not even supposed to su- survive in this world, which was Laris's speech to Al- the younger Allison. So I think, I, I, I think I'm connecting with what you're saying, Alden. I think a little bit uh, about that uh, and why, why she would be so upset. But it's not necessarily 
I don't know. She pulled back a little bit, took Renera on a word there. I thought, I thought Renera, like the plea was real to me of, you know, we're not even, we used to be friends. And, and, yeah. and Olivia Cook plays it as. Right. And she peels back to that moment too. Yeah. It's, it, it, it's like three different levels before she's like, and friendship, girl. Mm-hmm. Like we, like it was yeah. all of this, but before it was any of those things, mm-hmm. the root, like daughter of the hand, daughter of the king. Like we were, yeah. we 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 were inseparable, mm-hmm. and we didn't. They did not cause the rifts, but now no. that they are adults, the rifts are on them. It comes to that point where, like, you have to break us. You have to break generational trauma cycles. Um, and Viserys, you can tell, like, just wants to die knowing that they are going to be happy. Like, he's like, this is a wondrous proposal. Please, God, <laughs> yeah. let's put it through. Yeah. <laughs> but no, he, was, he was well, great listen. this episode. He he's was. awesome. I like, loved, I loved his moments. Credit yeah, to him. Yeah. Like, he's played an age range mm-hmm. that is, you yeah. know, that, that has seen a lot of, like, accelerated aging because of sickness. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's he's got it. Like, Patty is good. He's really good. Love that. I love that scene too, where he says he says that he's like, "What? That's what I'm talking about. That's this sounds awesome." And he's <laughs> yeah. like, "Isn't it great?" I thought that was great. Yeah, no, great stuff there. And Andres, I don't want to leave you out of any other big final Elsa moments. We just basically said she's wearing a green hat that says "Make Westeros Great Again." <laughs> any more Allison yeah. thoughts? Yeah, no, I think you guys nailed it. I feel like the Helena marriage proposal though, is also. Uh, something that, you know, she is so against because of that as well. And I feel like that was an opportunity for her to. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDSE. Try and reach out and maybe have this opportunity to come back to Rhaenyra in a more positive light, but she just would not accept that whatsoever. And and, and I feel like it's also a moment, too, to show you that Allison is now kind of in charge of King's Landing and kind of in charge of Westeros. Like it really does feel like Viserys's word isn't worth too much mm. in that, in that moment, Viserys mm. could have accepted uh, that proposal on his own 100% stamp of approval of the King. Like, you know, Robert Baratheon would have probably done, mm. but instead he looked to his wife and he's like, is that okay? Like, is that okay? And she kind of said no, essentially. And she said over my dead body, when she was walking up the stairs. Right, so right. it kind of goes to show you like, damn, Allison has that much sway mm-hmm. into what the King thinks now. This is completely different from where we left off 10 years ago. So I think they did a really good job with that. Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. Mm-hmm. Other big themes, anything you want to, you want to lead us down uh, Alden? Yeah, I have a theme. Uh, I hate Kristen Cole. Is that a theme? No, I call okay, him, that's just, I, I call just him opinion. Sir Petty and no. Sir- <laughs> this guy oh boy um and Fabian i've Frankel. been saying that since last since before last week yeah he was, i was yeah. like no he was he, he was fine up until you know until the king's hunt was the last time he was passable mm. um yeah. everything mm. after that has and of course i'm joking i acknowledge for everyone listening and watching that is not a theme we will talk about something real it's not just gonna be rage Fabian frankel amazing the writing yeah, fantastic no, no, that's great um, yeah he is, he is getting the reaction he's supposed to get. This is, and it's become very popular on the internet to call him this, and I agree, he's Sir Incel. Mm-hmm. This is mm. entitlement. 
This is misogyny. This is somebody that is unhinged, that was given an inch and wants to take a mile. Mm-hmm. He was he he talked at first with reverence about the status that was given to him by Rhaenyra. But yeah. then once that status couldn't be exactly what he wanted it to be, husband, runaway, romanticized hero, mm-hmm. all of a sudden women are C-words. And he's going to bully children and grab them extremely aggressively. And like right in front of the king, like he is. And, and that's a, that's an off screen implication that fans, I think, should be asking is he can just do that with impunity in front of the king, grab little Lucerus by his breastplate and drag mm-hmm. him around. And nothing happens because his his girl, Allison, his new girl, after he switched to being a green, mm-hmm. has given him license to just be a you know what around well, the red keep look, no uh, consequences uh, yeah and, and as far as we know no no consequences for a murder at a reception yeah he even <laughs> gives he even gives uh you know uh uh oh my god i'm blanking on his name he gives him that little little head nod like yeah it's been a decade i killed your boyfriend yeah like when, when he looks back like oh my god i do like lane or i don't know why it yeah. took me so long to say it. i was gonna say lane on for some reason yeah um, all the letters are the same here in this show it's okay there's there's a lot yeah, yeah. and it's only gonna get worse one of my one of my friends uh the josh bakuga let me know text me goes wait a minute is uh is this amen the one at the wall later on the other show i said buddy this is amen get that d right man come on yeah come, come on, on josh how could you? No, um, as far as Sir Kristen Cole, he does represent that. You, yeah, I saw that. Yeah, the Sir Insult thing. I saw the, the petty insults, what I'm calling them. Yeah, and that's a real, real world thing. But this show is communicating a lot of real world themes. And this show has been very clear about its stances on some of the destructive nature of men or masculinity or the patriarchy. It's it's not hiding it. This show from episode one, whether it's been too brutal or too in your face or what it's it's been pitch perfect every time out. This is what the show is about. And I think the the character of Kristen Cole represents something that might have been celebrated, not in other, like the other Game of Thrones, but just in other properties, right? He is the knight, uh, the, the chivalrous knight. He connects with Rhaenyra and all this guy. That might have been celebrated. Now I think he's vilified. He's a heel through and through. And I like that. I like it. And I think Fabian Frankel's absolutely nailing it because I hate him now. And I liked him. Now I hate him. <laughs> yeah. No, I... And I think it was set up really well. And I know it's just really cool to see people's reactions to it where they're like, oh, this guy's an audible guy. But I really do feel like the show kind of hinted at it, even in that that scene mm-hmm. that you hinted at, Alden, where they're in the woods uh, with the boar scene mm-hmm. when Rhaenyra asks him, do you think the kingdom will ever accept me as your queen? And he's kind of like grimaces a tiny bit. There's a really good acting moment from him. And he yeah. says, They'll have no choice. They'll have no choice but to, is what he says. He doesn't say, like, of course, or like, yes. He literally says, I I guess they'll have no choice. Like, even I won't have a choice to accept you as the queen. And that's a little hint that the writers gave you Mm. to who who the character actually is underneath the armor. Mm. And it is to, and it goes to show you that the scene that he has in the boat talking about his honor and his name and all Mm. that he has to his name really shows you how truly selfish she is that he really does feel like he's above all of Westeros and the entire crown of Westeros. So I do feel like Kristen Cole is just like a perfect heel. Mm -hmm. It also tells you about abuses of power, right? (laughs) Like if you're talking to somebody who's going to have power one day, Rhaenyra, and she's asking you questions about whether or not said role will be accepted. And if your answer is they'll have no choice, then maybe you shouldn't be trusted with power, man. 
like maybe you have interesting thoughts about exerting it and mm-hmm. harwin you know we can get into that fight i guess as an extension yeah of, let's do it. Of these ideas like harwin's opening point is you're blatantly being unfair like yeah. to children uh you don't you don't apply that he's like i'm not questioning your method i just wonder why you don't apply it to all your pupils yeah um yeah. and of course harwin is projecting and harwin while 100% right, and yes, I cheered for him like I was watching WrestleMania, um, and, I, and I wanted to see Kristen's face go the way of Joffrey's face, it was still like, ah, uh, miscalculation, my friend. Miscalculation. Yeah. He beat you. He got you in the mind game, which is why he's smiling laying there. Um, it was a calculated move to happen in public. A true heel, man. A, a heel. Uh, you know, sneaks sneaks and uh, escapes with a victory even though he's defeated, right? That's That's when yep. we love to boo them. Yep, absolutely. And so I thought that that was an interesting clash there to see them both coaching. Uh, Ken, I know you've done some coaching in your day. Mm-hmm. Uh, did this give you any flashbacks to having players <laughs> or when Harwin took the took the took the brunettes and he took the blondes over here like to battle yeah. each other? Yeah, you know, like I always say you got to coach the individual more than the general uh, team. There, you got to find out who responds to what. I don't recall ever grabbing a a, a young little leaguer by their helmet and just throwing them. And uh, you face the top pitcher right now. Yeah, <laughs> I, yeah. I, I love the moment though where where. Mm-hmm. I forgot. I forget the exact lines, which should be in my head, but it's not. Mm-hmm. Where it's essentially like, "Hey, foul move!" And he's like, "I'll, I'll get him. You check him. I'll check yeah, him." Yeah. And it's like they pull him to the side, and he's yeah. like, hey, "Look, let me tell you what to do, bro. You get to." And the other guy's like, "Look, look, you're doing a good job. You have to." And it's just like the two, yeah. like NBA on TNT, <laughs> like coaches section, yeah. where it's, they're showing you what the coaches are saying. It's, to it's the as if uh, I loved it. It's as if uh, <laughs> uh, Michael Jordan and Isaiah Thomas are coaching against each other, and they can only get back at each other through the. Play. Players. Uh, and it you, talks about Allison's theme again in, in its own sort of way about mm-hmm. Al, Al, what Allison thinks is her theme of we are the better ones. We have the honor. We have the integrity. And yet it's Kristen that is like, like he's Smeagol Gollum, like, <laughs> like there's like this rage. Yeah. Uh, and it's like you are like you're, uh, disgracing the Kingsguard, you know, is, is yeah. kind of par for the course at this point. Like we come from Game of Thrones, we've seen the Marin Trance of the world. Like uh, we know that that doesn't uh, mean much at the end of the day. Yeah. But for you to be this guy that claims your battle experience, that claims yeah. to want to bring honor to House Cole, and like for us the viewers, like what we know that we can apply that maybe the characters don't will always inform things, which is a part of the power of Fire and Blood having an unreliable structure. Part of the power of this show giving definitive answers, like. Dude, we know that you're living on like not just borrowed time, but Allison's time. You were going to take the coward's way out Mm. and for murder. You were just going to go off yourself by the godswood like because you were your breakdown was that heavy. And now here you are just acting like a child. You've done nothing with your second chance, Mm -hmm. which makes him even more um, hateable as a character. Absolutely. And again, I'll reiterate, he is a character that I think is a big comment on a lot of folks in this world. Uh, A lot of men. I'll just say it. And. Uh, them uh, not just failing up, but um, succeeding and getting rewarded almost and, and people looking the other way and, and him kind of coasting on that. I love that line that you brought up of him like, oh, well, I fought in real battle. I'm paraphrasing, but that's the implication, right? I'm more man than you. I'm more of a warrior than you. And that, uh, you know, eventually one day, man, I'm, I'm rooting. And I, I, I really liked it. His scenes with Renera early on, I was like, I like this guy. I get this guy. I feel this guy. Uh, but to see what he's grown into, I cannot wait till he takes a one, two, three and uh, loses the big WrestleMania match. As we use our wrestling and sports references for yeah. this. Oh, it's uh, 
I don't want to spoil anything, but I know that I know that we're in the long haul for with some of these characters. They, they make it a yeah. probably going to be there in season three, four, five. But it's a it's an interesting it's going to be an interesting ride for sure, especially because again, this is still table setting. Like the reason why we're jumping around to Pentos, the yeah, reason yeah. why they've been very selective with when we get characters like Rainies is like mm-hmm. because we're giving you what we you need with her right now yeah. until we start to get into the rapid succession of the actual events. It's interesting to see sort of more of these things get lined up um, mm. and to have all these characters literally watching almost like a microcosm of the dance happen with these training swords yeah. uh, of Viserys watching the future that he's unknowingly created Lionel yeah. watching the future that he doesn't know he won't even be a part of come two days later. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's a very, this will be a scene that we go back to and suddenly we're like, Oh, it was all right there. Yeah. I think for sure. Yeah. Kind of like the the pilot of of Game of Thrones, where uh, you know a stag <laughs> kills uh, kills a direwolf, and it's like, oh, it's right there. Yeah, or or the yeah. whole King Robert's curse fan yeah. theory of uh-huh. everyone he touches dies when yeah. he arrives at Winterfell, and yeah. intentional or otherwise, there's going to be a lot of that fun lot to that pick fun. up on here. Indeed, a lot of other things to get to. I do want to talk about one of the big themes of of honor and the use of honor, the belief in honor, and also you know using it as a weapon. It's always it always comes up in Game of Thrones. A lot of talk about honor, especially uh, season one has some episodes where I think you could count the word honor used 25 times. Season two as well. Honor, 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 honor. It's big in these type of tales. You put on some armor, grab a sword, you're going to talk about honor. And I think you should because yeah. that applies to the real world. I love some of the, the use of it here. Um, there was a line from Harwin, you have your honor, I have mine. This coming from Lionel Strong, uh, feeling his family's honor has been damaged. I've liked Lionel uh, Strong. Uh, I think that a lot of the things Viserys said about him in this episode, I think are true. I think his intentions are always, you're, everyone here is going to have a little bit of a perspective and a little bit of an angle. But I think his 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 actions have generally proved to be mm. for the realm. But anyways, your guys' thoughts on honor and what it means and who's... Uh, Who's actually got the honor right now in this wonderful, crazy, mixed-up world, Andres? Ooh. Um, I mean, Lionel was a good one, if I'm being honest. I feel like that was a a good way to show you a a, a perspective that he's trying his best Mm -hmm. to try and be as unbiased as possible. But... Yeah, I feel like honor is not really there for many characters. No, in this but they show. believe they do, right? Allison believes yeah. there's some honor. We talked a lot about it, not to go back to that, but yeah, there's they, they believe, and it's like Harwin. He, he has you have your honor, I have mine. There's an honor there. He's done something that's maybe dishonorable, a lot of things, but um, I don't know. Yeah. It's fascinating. I feel like the honor, in a different way, it goes to show you. Honor kind of goes hand in hand with your name, right? Mm. Where what are you going to do with what you've been given? And I feel like that's a big theme when it comes to this is my transition to Lena and Damon, Mm -hmm. to Lena and Damon's conversation about we are the house of uh, the Valerians. We come from O Valeria. Uh, We have, you know, all this great history to our name and to uh, what we represent. And the man I fell in love with was a man who thinks much more than that and who thinks much more than just being, you know, a rich boy's friend, mm. uh, which was what he would be in Pentos. And I feel like that what Lena is longing for and wanting for is what Damon was initially longing for and wanting for, which mm. was having a longstanding, powerful name. And Lena still gets that from her father, which mm. is having mm. that same ideal and being back home in Driftmark and having 
her name and her power and her children well represented mm -hmm. and to have a well-standing reputation mm -hmm. with Bela and Reyna and with uh, Damon. So I feel like that kind of goes hand in hand mm -hmm. of her kind of trying to snap Damon out of it and try to be like, hey, Damon, remember who you are uh, inside. Like, don't don't just accept the easy way. Take the hard way, mm -hmm. even if it is still a very complicated path you could still get there. So I feel like Lena's still <laughs> encouraging him to get there. So. No, I think it's a great transition to some powerful stuff. I think you're absolutely right. I put this idea there of what's a Targaryen, but it goes beyond that to all characters and definitely Valarians who, uh, the Valarians have a lot of, a uh, lot of honor and a lot of things to li live up to. A lot of their is uh, their honor and a lot of their legacies hard earned, right? From Corliss mm -hmm. on down. And that's why the, the power of the scene. And again, why it was uh, definitely lost uh, uh, to, to lose this character. Yeah, absolutely. She's important. I, I'm fascinated by the conversation with Damon. So, uh, Alden, what do you think? I know you're. I know you're a little bit of a Damon Mark, which is uh, which is good. He does some things, though. He does some things. What do you think about this one? He does do things, doesn't he? He's, things, a lot of things. The the, the you know the the like what, what's the word I'm looking for? Oh, God, so so tired right now uh the the just the the bevy bevy was the word I the was bevy of for. things <laughs> bevy the bevy of damon reactions thoughts memes everything about his chaotic nature yeah. damon enters the red keep and someone puts a tiktok with the stone cold music i love it i absolutely love it yeah, yeah. um because he is all those things and to build him this way i mean we're coming off this wedding episode which started with the murder of his own wife yeah and then he possibly kicks off the ending brawl we don't know that's uh, purposely left ambiguous to us and to the characters um unless you were standing right there of course uh the the whole idea of building him into this dragon the blood of the dragon this guy who brought down the crab feeder king of the narrow sea and here he is retired having dinners in the library and that's like yeah. it's it's you become almost lena in that moment of mm -hmm. the same sort of skepticism of like what happened to you a decade and you're and you've gone soft like and it's it's you should want him to have peace. But then as a viewer that's coming here, at least on a base level for excitement, even if, you know, we're digging deep or an hour into this episode, we love these ideas. We still want the excitement. We're seeing him like this is unusual for you. Yeah. And that's that sort of creates this idea of, you know, it's very mythic. It's very Hamlet. It's very things that are Hamlet, like the Lion King. Remember who you are like that yeah. whole idea lingers over him and that idea it cannot be killed mm. he he has tried to fight it so many times and we saw it at its peak when he took on the crab feeder of oh help's coming i don't need it mm -hmm. i don't need help mm -hmm. that guy's in there yeah. and he's been tempered by fatherhood and and we've seen sort of how he makes the decisions this beautiful parallel i alluded to with him in viserys where we don't see him say the words don't don't cut her don't do the cesarean section yeah but it doesn't happen so the implication being that he, despite being the worst brother, makes the better choice almost mm -hmm. in that regard, does give her the autonomy to walk away. I don't think based on Matt's performance that he knew what she would do, mm. probably thought she was going to literally take a walk and maybe mm. go to her room and pass away, which I think she does in the, in the actual text. She just dies in her birthing bed. Mm. Um and then she does what she does with Vagar, but he's a guy that has sort of taken his foot off the gas and is sort of letting life happen to him instead of being the thing that happens to everybody else. Mm. And that's all about to change once he gets back into the fold. Yeah. Um, but it was an interesting thing to see and to tie it all the way in with the theme about honor. Like what, what has game of Thrones always been telling us honor is a sliding scale. I mean, that's, that's the clash between 
Jamie and Ned. It's in the eye of the beholder. Mm. Like I saved you people from a mad villain that you all knew yeah. was mad. You called him that. And I saved you and you call me dishonorable. Yeah. And you look at this, it's like, was it what Harwin, like you assaulted a Kingsguard dishonorable. Sure. On paper, but honorable with context. Yeah. Oh, you're having kids out of wedlock dishonorable on paper, but honorable with context when you know, she's protecting a gay man. Mm. So everything is made up. So when you look at Damon here, it's like, are you, are you living up to your, your potential as a Targaryen? Maybe not, but like, what does that even mean? And I think he's in a, what does this even mean phase? Yeah. Yeah. No, I love that. It, it, uh, Andres, you kicked off a great conversation here and I was even looking at, you know, Renera and, and, and Damon, and this is even some of the insights uh, that the, the creators and writers said about this. Like this is 10 years on and they are still kind of trying to be what they were at times. It's not the best of their uh, themselves. Uh, I mentioned like Renera sneak it out, all that kind of stuff. And, and, and yes, in, in the context of what you're saying, Alden, she's, she's making, uh, you know, it's part of the arrangement with Lenor. but I even think this is for Lenor. you know, right. He's got some of the, the vibe in this is, uh, you know, I go, I, I go off with this guy and everything's good. I can't, you know, I don't know. No one knows. Right. No one can, no one can tell it's not my kids. Right. Yeah. And I think this episode ends with him. I love that moment. When he's like Dragonstone. Then to me, that was a, uh, all right. That you have three characters, but especially Renera and, and Damon who, they're being who they were, but life right now needs them to be something more. And I think going back to what you were saying, Andres, with with uh, Lena kind of saying that, like, you need to be <laughs> put aside the ranger, put aside the rogue, yeah. be the prince. And I thought that was pretty powerful and affecting. And isn't that sort of like, you know, Andres, I know you love House Valarian. I know you love Corliss. I know you love Sea Smoke. Like, to throw it back to you, building out of that, like, I just had this thought, like, isn't Lena, like, so Corliss's daughter, too? Like, with all the energy that she's putting forth, like it felt like things that like, cause she was the one when she was 12, like what happened to Balerion? Mm-hmm. <laughs> what happened to Vagar? Like she had a sense of adventure and like her dad was the guy is the guy still mm-hmm. like who saw the world and everything and like wanted to unite these houses. And now here she is having united them. Uh, well, so did Rhaenyra and, and Lenor, of course, but being the second mm-hmm. addition to that union and she's like, this is the union. Like, yeah, my dad did the voyages and we're sitting at a dinner. Like, this is not it. Yeah. And I feel like part of it, too, has to do with uh, uh, location and what you represent. Right. As Mm -hmm. far as people knowing, like people know we are in Pentos. People know we are in Essos versus people know we are in Driftmark or people know we are in Westeros. And a lot of that has to do with perception where there's still a sense of insecurity that Damon feels when it comes to his name and when it comes to who he is and what he has accomplished with his life, Mm. where what he wanted eventually, obviously being the king, Iron Throne, all this kind of stuff that he potentially imagined growing up or potentially imagined all these years is so Mm. far from him that he's trying to get literally as far away from it as possible. Mm. Whereas Lena is literally telling him, hey, it doesn't matter what you have or what you've wanted, what you have in front of you now mm. is two daughters, a dragon rider a, who happens to be riding the biggest dragon of the ball, who's yeah. your wife and, and, a, and, t- and two daughters who are willing to learn about what our house name is mm. and what our future can be. Let's raise them right. Let's raise them at home in Driftmark in Westeros where mm. we have established our name. And she obviously talks about home and he says, well, home is old Valeria. Old Valeria is gone. We don't have a home. But she reiterates the fact that we've established our home to be in Westeros. That is our adopted home. It is not in Mm -hmm. Essos. So as much as we love traveling around Essos, Mm -hmm. our home still belongs there. And I know you're afraid to go back there because Mm -hmm. of how people perceive you. But Mm -hmm. remember, 
once you go back there, you can establish your own name just by being who you are and just by having your own family with me. So I feel like that's a really good interaction that Lena has with him. And she comes from different stock, right? Like, Mm -hmm. not the Targaryens didn't work hard. I mean, (laughs) Aegon worked pretty hard uh, Mm -hmm. to conquer those lands, unite those kingdoms. But as Corlys will point out, he's not generations removed from the building of House Valarian. He was the building of House Valarian. She comes from, like, the most, like, by their bootstraps house of them all that hit higher heights than Mm -hmm. most of them outside of their Targaryen uh, brethren there. So Mm -hmm. it's like she's she's there in his halls seeing as we saw when they visited like there is as high tide as the castle on Driftmark. Yeah, high tide. like in high tide like all these like trinkets and mementos and trophies and, and and works of art and conquest and like she was like right there even more so like Viserys you've got a model and that's great <laughs> and you guys are close and you got you know you knew Balerion <laughs> your Legos are great you're like by the way shout out to Edard the Lego assistant. Um, it was nice to hear that name in yeah. this era. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. yeah, she, she definitely has a perspective that is more distinct to her house, a perspective that will be gone by the time of game of Thrones, where not a single one of those houses, not a one was present for any of the deeds by which their names were built. She was. Yeah. Love it. Now, and Andreas, beautiful stuff. Well said. Uh, on the power of that scene, and even though uh, this character's uh, no longer with us here, uh, I really, that was one of my favorite scenes of the season so far. It just uh, had a lot of purpose, had a lot of uh, poignancy to it, and a very well done scene. Yeah, and now, uh, according to the next time, someone's going to Scooby-Doo Vagar out of there. Who could it be? What's <laughs> going on with Vagar? now? Um, <laughs> yeah, I want to, you know... Switching gears a little bit, I want a Vagar Funko Pop. It better have like the stringy gray hair. Oh, for sure. <laughs> it's gram- gotta be the it's, it's easily whiskers. gotta be like gotta be like this. It's yeah. gotta be massive. It's gotta be way bigger than the Balrog, way yeah. bigger than uh, you know, uh, Drogon ever was. Yeah. It's it, yeah, that, just an excellent design. I think that the creatures and they got a they got a really good just like on a on a CG creatures level. I'm not an effects artist. I know a lot of people we, we all know some, mm-hmm. um, but it's like that was a, that was a compelling moment of like, are you sure? But are you sure you sure? But mm. are you telling? But but you mean burn you? You don't just mean burn anything. Like yeah. the the dragon did not understand her wanting to have the dragon rider death, which she had just said she wanted. Yeah. Um, and uh, I'm not gonna die in a in a in a birthing bed. Not like that. I'm gonna go out in flames and and the way that I would have wanted willingly by my own rules. And I think Vagar like if you can get this performance out of this fictional animal, it, it sort of was this tone of like, I can respect that. Yeah. Like I, I I've seen it all too. And I can respect that. It works. Uh, Andres, I do want to talk to you about that death scene though. This is, uh, you know, again, uh, it is, it's there. Uh, so we have to engage with what's in that story. how do you feel about this death, how it played out? Uh, and the dragon rider death, was it effective for you? Yeah, if I'm being real, I definitely was shocked. I, I uh, obviously, I, as Reader of Fire and Blood, that is not the death uh, that Lena receives. Uh, I don't think I'm spoiling too much, obviously, since she already died in this episode. Yeah. Um, if I'm being real, part of me was a little, a little bummed, a little disappointed, mainly mm. because of how I feel like it was set up. Mm. Where I feel like the setup for what is in the book, as far as Damon, I think Damon was like flying out to get a special maester to mm-hmm. try and help uh, the mortal coil that Lena 
was uh, that mm-hmm. that she got after her child uh, childbed stillbirth of her son. Mm-hmm. And in this scene, it, it felt like it it just felt like they were just kind of rushing it a little too quickly for me, trying to rush her death. I mean, mm-hmm. but I, I understood it. But the idea in the book of her trying to reach out to Vagar for one last ride yeah. just seemed to be a little bit more poetic to me mm-hmm. versus mm-hmm. in the show her kind of running off on her own while Damon was still there. It, it just felt a little too vague for me. And if yeah. this is me being real, obviously I, I mm-hmm. I'm, I'm nitpicky because of, of how I feel about Lena. Yeah. But I, I'm so curious to hear your opinion, obviously because of your reading of the book, but also other people's opinions, because I, I saw the inside the episode of them saying they wanted to have a cool, badass death because she's like a cool badass character mm-hmm. and i almost felt like i don't know if that was necessarily what was accomplished but maybe it was and i'm not sure that's why i was curious I, I, yeah no no i i think um i think they they it's one of those things where i think the creators made a decision and yeah. i it's not even that i i stand by it. I, I i think it worked on that level i think i was still shocked to happen that fast again i couldn't even remember yeah. the details of her death other than, mm-hmm. wow, we're doing this right here, right now. And then I did go, yeah. I went into a wiki and looked, I was like, let me refresh myself. And there's a lot more there. There was a lot more on the table with the character. That might be, not a lot more. She still has an ending, but there's some other things going, a little more connection with the narrative, all those kind of little details that yeah. I, I normally don't do the contrast compare, but I just was so moved by this character's episode that I thought, all right, they, they could have played it out. But they did this, and this, for me personally, might have worked more in, in just the moment of her death in the books, which was this painful calling for Vagar, but not getting that final ride, not getting the death. So if they made a decision. I do like it. I understand it. But I also, I was, it's one of the more shocking deaths, I think, in Game of Thrones, which is saying a lot for me. Yeah. Um, not but just I, in what I saw, but in how it happened and when it happened. But I almost feel like part of it, the reason why maybe I was a little bit colder on it is mainly because of Damon, where mm. I felt like, Damon's reaction during the childbirth scene and Damon's feelings and Damon's face on it and obviously the focus on Matt Smith's character still felt a little too cold for me mm-hmm. versus the idea of Damon being so in love with Lena in the book that it just so- it softens him. It really does in the book and it gives him a different side to Damon and I felt like it could have been a cool opportunity to see that and we see a little bit of it. I mean, yeah. to be fair to the show, they do give us a little bit yeah. but the idea of Damon having just kind of this blank face as as she's like screaming in her childbirth and then her kind of running off on her own and I was like, where's Damon? Like, wouldn't he be mm-hmm. like right there with her? Mm-hmm. Uh, and versus in the books of him trying his damnedest, literally flying to get a maester to back to Dragonstone and give it Give, give her some sort of chance, fighting chance to live because he's so in love with Lena versus him just being like, oh, where's Lena? Oh, she's burned alive. Damn, I missed her. That was five yeah. seconds faster. <laughs> yeah, I was it's like, interesting. It's interesting for sure because I because yeah. I didn't read the Fire and Blood section. Yeah. Um, my knowledge of what, what went down with her came from doing like Damon research, you know, like for the explainers that we did and stuff. So it's almost like I want to now check it out to see like what element the prose has, who's mm-hmm. retelling it. The yeah, this yeah. maester, maester mushroom, like what what's the going on? And there's all those elements too. But what it actually made me think of, you know, because you mentioned his expression of like looking but not looking, being in the doorway and everything, is that I see him as such an uncomfortable, like like you said, Andres, like afraid of being perceived. That's why he won't go home. Mm-hmm. Um, but it made me think of 
Masaria of like why Masaria said like what she expressed to him about like I'm not gonna have that life I'm not gonna do that I'm not gonna pump out kids and everything and mm-hmm. at the time he had this like bravado and swagger of like kids suck anyway whatever yeah. and now it's like I have these twins that I do really like and now I'm realizing that Masaria's fears have come true but just on someone else and so it's sort of like I think it plays well for him in the whole and I think I like her making a choice to go out that way more theoretically than I do her calling out. But at the same time, the calling out would have had the taming to back that up without the taming. I'm going just off of, I want a warrior's death. I don't want this. And then she gets it. So it's almost like, again, this is an adaptation conversation for sure. So no one's wrong. I don't think you're wrong at all. Uh, but it's an interesting well, sort of balance. I, I, I think that's uh, I, I like your 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 thoughts there, Andres, on on uh, Damon Seaman. Time's a little cold, but but Matt Matt Smith's playing it a lot. There's a lot of times where he just doesn't speak, right? And that's how it's written, how he's playing it. Uh, so I just mm. I want the I want him to be softened and changed by this. And there's tears in his eyes that affects him. Um, I'm kind of a stoic, somber guy too at times. I want him to have a big reaction, and I hope maybe with something we see that a little bit more, so that Lena's death is not in vain. If that makes yeah, sense. Yeah. I mean, even killing the, the, you know, the crab feeder, he was still, he's drenched in blood, but there's no roar of victory or anything like he, the last really emotional blowout that he had was in the pilot. It was the mm-hmm. 10 years. You never did this. You never loved me. You never treated me fairly. Auto sucks. He's a C word, et cetera, et cetera. <laughs> but it's like, as Viserys said, Rhaenyra and Damon have the blood of the dragon. It's almost like all the cards now are in play for, the yeah. Union of Unions. Uh, yeah. Shout out to Lenore. I know we have to finish up that uh, era of her life as well, uh, to say the least. But yeah. it definitely does feel like some some table setting was done. I almost wonder, like you said earlier, Andres, like episode and a half, maybe. Like you, you just tack 30 minutes onto this. It, I, I don't know what the solution would have been. I know that there are many options for them. But I like where we end up, even if it's, even if it's got those bumps. Yeah. I do too. Andres? Yeah, no. Final thought here? I'm happy. I'm happy we got to see her and we got to see her ride Vagar. It would have been much worse if they just skipped all of her riding Vagar and her Mm. showing at least the personality. Uh, So I'm I'm glad we at least got that. Uh, I definitely still wish we got more. And especially if I'm being real, y'all, like I, I feel like part of it too has to do with the actress and with the decision of showing who the Valarians are in a different manner, in a different light. I feel like that's, it's, it's a cool opportunity and a cool way to show you like, and obviously who knows what the future holds, but mm-hmm. hiring Steve Toussaint to play Corliss Valarian and mm-hmm. then casting the rest of his children to concordantly look like him or look like they came from him and from Rainey's mm-hmm. is a cool opportunity to show you two black dragon riders. And it happened to be my two black favorite dragon riders yeah. in all of Westeros. And obviously I know the whole thing in the books. They're not black in the books. doesn't matter. They're black. No, no, black no, hair, yeah. black and I feel like Sea Smoke and Vagar are just like gangsters, mm. like dope. Mm. And Lenor and Lena are two epic, like legendary dragon riders in the book. Even if they are around for who knows how long, they're still legendary no matter what. And I feel like that's part of my, resentment yeah. i guess yeah. with the decision of cutting them off so quickly mm-hmm. because it could have been a cool opportunity to hear a little bit more about them and to see a little bit more of her adventures and of their adventures 
together, especially with a creature as legendary as Vagar. So. No, I think those are great points. Absolutely no disagreement for me. And I can't wait for one to see Corliss come back uh, and uh, kind of, uh, you know, carry on a lot of what you're talking about here. So Yeah, to that point in particular, Kim, like I think that the strength, and I mentioned this with Rings of Power, I think it's true of both shows. I think it's true of Andor. I think we're in a good place right now with big ensembles where it, it gets to the point where they're so good that when I don't have them, it's like, oh, come on. Like, yeah, uh, no Corliss this time, but then we know he's coming up. And Rainey's has been used very sparingly so far this season. Mm-hmm. Um, but every time she's on screen, it's some of the most important yeah. and impactful and well-performed and well-written material. Um, but I- I'm excited, not, of course, for the, for the funeral of Lena, because I'm sure it's going to be uh, an extremely sad scene. I'm assuming that is what's happening there at Driftmark. Um, but this idea that all the players are going to be together for the first time in a decade. Um, yeah, I think I think the implication is that no one has even seen with their eyes Damon since that night yeah. uh, that he's been gone that long. Um, his long longest streak without breaking exile, ten years, um, and it, to see them all together is going to be a taste of what's to come, and to yeah. see sort of how people have changed and yeah. Yeah, 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 and that was one of the first scenes to kind of leak, I remember, right? And so now to actually go there, that'll be interesting there. Uh, in the time we have remaining here, there's some big things still on the table here. This idea of running in the storm or fleeing from it, uh, which, um, I don't know, also ties a little bit into Laris. Let's talk about Laris, the imagery of the flower that survives where it's not supposed to. He is a firefly. Uh, I've also seen people say bee, but it's actually a firefly. Uh, but either or, he is uh, pollinating the flowers around there. He goes, uh, uh, he goes heel. He always maybe kind of was on the cusp. He's a tweener. Now he goes heel uh, and makes this uh, decision for Allison. Yes, we're only going to talk about pro, in pro wrestling terms tonight. And yes. I, for one, again, maybe I always have a little bit of sympathy in my heart for Allison. I really do. Um, I believe her that uh, she, this is not something she asked. This is a, no. a case of she is alone in this world. Uh, that scene where Lionel Strong won't tell the king the truth that everyone else knows, uh, not doing in Allison's eyes your job as the hand, my father would, um, right or wrong, my father would have. Um, I really love that. And it leads to uh, the perhaps biggest old school Game of Thrones power play yet, unless I'm missing something. So far, that's that's one of the biggest power plays Laris yeah. sneaking in there. Outside of the, uh, you know, Damon's gold cloak purge. Um, but those yeah. were, you know, not to say that flea bottom people don't matter, but out of our direct political players, I mean, this was the moment. Like, in, in funny terms, I was talking to a guy, uh, a guy I'm in a group chat with earlier. That's, that's the House of the Dragon chat. And I was like, she literally said, I miss my pops. And he heard, kill my pops like that is not <laughs> like he, the, the leap that he makes is so massive and so unhinged that yeah. he has not like he hasn't outwardly reached mm-hmm. the the depths of like a ramsey bolton that we'll see in game of thrones yeah. events but the same level of complete break with reality is now present except he's quiet except he can't fight he's yeah. sort of ramsey bolton meets baelish which is which is a creepier um, yeah. version. He's not a Joffrey. He yeah. knows what he's doing, unlike Joffrey. He can't fight, unlike Ramsay. So he's used, as we saw in, in, in the, the King's Hunt, the knowledge of the ladies, the knowledge of the lords, the mm-hmm. courts, the you know dinners, as we yeah. see here. 
like him showing up for what seems like a regular dinner. Yeah, is is what enacts this, Which was this even, the fall of his own house. Still kind of creepy. And he also, let's not forget, he's the one in last last episode telling his brother, you know what the dress means, the call for banners. Maybe, maybe she just wore green. Maybe, but he's just like, no, we're gonna fight. We're gonna fight. We're gonna fight. And <laughs> he seemed like, and it's not even like they had a contentious relationship. No, the brother was nice yeah. to you. Your yeah. father exactly. was nice to you. <laughs> That that I, I kind of wish we did get a little more of that because that's definitely there where I was like, wait a minute, what? Yeah. But I, I I love the scene where we're having this speech monologue over yeah. talking about children mm-hmm. and, and it's it's going over all these images of storylines we've just seen. And in my head, obviously, because I'm a weirdo, I'm thinking like who's who's saying this right? Like, what kind of speech is this, and who are you talking to? And it's just uh, Laris where he's looking at. I think he's looking at a flower, mm-hmm. and he looks over to Allison, and he's like, "At least that's what I think." And he just kind of breaks the speech <laughs> with like a, "Yeah, children, right?" And he he kind of breaks it that way where <laughs> it feels like, man, this guy really is a different kind of insane, and it yeah. really shows in that scene. Well, and I love real quick. I love Heron Hall being yes. the scene of the crime yes because heron hall is mm-hmm. the ultimate shit happens castle yes like mm-hmm. it's the ultimate like uh fire kick i don't know bro like they yeah. die like what he we even do? writes it off to the curse i think when he's <laughs> yeah. talking to her That's right true. Yeah. before he like because at first it's kind of like kids anyway next week chicken or duck yeah. and then yeah. then the conversation sort of unfolds and he's like oh, yeah no, it's cursed and everything but yeah yeah i love it. To do it and, and I love it's like it. yeah. no yeah no i did i love seeing heron hall absolutely uh scary scene but uh i was gonna ask you uh, andres you are a card carry member of team baelish uh yeah. it's easy to make the uh, uh comparisons because of the speech this this made me think of the chaos as a latter speech um, but it's, I don't know. I think it's in a different, it's its own category. So I was going to, I've seen it online. Oh, Laris is not Baelish. Alden, you brought up a great point. He's kind of a Ramsey and Baelish. Um, uh, where do you put, uh, Laris on that Baelish chart, Andres? I consider you the Baelish expert here. Pretty, pretty high. I definitely feel like he's a solid eight, eight <laughs> out of 10 right now. He's got the speech um, down. Yeah. Yeah. And I feel like part of it too is like, I love the idea of, whisper assassins or a whisper mm-hmm. army i think mm-hmm. that's cool where it's more yeah. like i'm now sending who would be informants to not be informants at all but instead to be my own personal assassins mm-hmm. uh and they're each uh probably by i would deduct two points off for <laughs> giving him the firefly bit. Yeah, <laughs> it's yeah. like who did it he did it oh well it's like, like the whole point the whole <laughs> point laris was that they can't confess and they can't yeah. explain your plan but i or gotta anything. put that logo on there that is so riddler too <laughs> yeah right? it's, a, like, it's a dc I, villain yeah i left a trophy i left a riddler <laughs> trophy who could it be <laughs> i'm expecting gary oldman to be like he calls himself the joker he's got a card in the back comes off the firefly yeah. Uh, <laughs> no, I love that there. No, I love. Uh, I, I mean, it, it, I don't know. It was it was effective. It was it to me. It's 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 on the. It's definitely on the Baylor's chart. But it was just like it's even more unhinged. I don't know. It's so. It's yeah. it was haunting. Baylish is yeah. scary. Baylish at times is frightening. Um, and maybe he's haunting with some of the things he's done. He's he's definitely not yeah. a clean whistle. But this one was haunting because I I just felt it in 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 Allison's eyes. Like wait wait. You did no. I just said I miss Daddy, and I wish Daddy yeah. was around because Daddy would help. What did you do? Like, and that's I felt the thing that. is like it shows like much like, and again, 
the the Cersei Allison parallel is easy to make, and it's been set up even by the performers and everything through audition reasons. Yeah, yeah. There are a lot of bad faith ways to go about that, I think. Yeah. But one similarity that they absolutely do have is that their villain origin stories are about a lack of control yeah. and thinking that this guy was going to be X, just like Cersei thought her child was going to be X. And they end up being Y and or, or Z, and it ends up being something that you did not foresee and how that rattles you because she was that's a moment of truth. She did not yeah. intend for this. And we had up until this point, we had dastardly characters in this. Yeah, We had monstrous characters in this even, but we had not yet added that true combustible element, which Game of Thrones had from the get with Joffrey, yeah. this, and, and then gained more villains throughout, yeah. you know, your, your Ramses, your Crasters, all of the, the worst of the worst people. Yeah. House of the Dragon had yet to get that person. Crab feeder didn't really talk. Mm-hmm. He was just, a, he was an X factor from a different land. Yeah. Now we have somebody in the home who is yeah. the worst. And that has changed the game. Well, you made me think of another parallel here to to, to Cersei, and 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 just for those who maybe have followed along, Olivia Cook said, "Yeah, I auditioned with some of Cersei's lines," and, and and it's easy to make those comparisons. But what and what I do like about that though is we've talked about it here. Is it's yes, Cersei is what I would call a villain, but it's 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 easy to just keep her in that category, not understand a lot of her story, her perspective, a lot of the damage, a lot of things done to her. And I think that's what's been playing out for me with Allison. But this was one of those moments. It's not unlike some of the High Sparrow stuff. Where, where Cersei goes to, uh, you know, restore the power of the faith militant there, and that goes awry. And that was something done post her father's passing. And even in Feast for Crows, it's played a little bit more. There's a little bit more of, like, she tried to be like her dad, and it ain't. And I don't even know if that's fair to Cersei. But this this th- that ending had that feel, too, of... Um, so for this time, Allison didn't go to Laris and say, hey, I got, I got an idea. She just had a conversation over dinner and is now has to deal with some of those, uh, some of the, the results. There's going to be a big fallout, but also chaos is a ladder and you just went up a rung, Allison, because daddy can come home. It's true. And, and the, the foundation of now the makeup of court, different. The mm-hmm. foundation of the great houses, different because of, you know, the death of the Strongs. And like, Lara Strong is now the top dog of, of how strong. And that's yeah, changed to make his home. But this entire idea of like what you're saying, kind of, of we, we lose the power structure that we're used to. Mm-hmm. So then we cling around. And, and she's reaching and reaching as her yeah. Cersei at that moment, it was the faith militant. Like this could be my play. This could yeah. be the, the new thing that I have to replace my father, to fill sort of that role of my backing. Mm-hmm. And, and this guy knew this yeah. guy was there from the dismissal of Otto and, and from those days. And he was there in the Godswood and he was very, very, very early. Um, similarly to Otto and the other tactical players, um, was getting in, you know, getting in her head was yeah. acknowledging. He said true things, acknowledging her as the outsider, and then ma- that yeah. makes her feel like you know you have a certain thing. And and again, I'm not saying anybody needs to comment below and let me know if you're blacks or greens. Mm-hmm. Although I will be judging the green comments very harshly. <laughs> uh, their their team is made up of Sir Incel, the pyromaniac. <laughs> Uh, yeah. the, the, the window, uh, the, the window boy, I, I, I don't even, I, I don't Aegon, even know what word yeah. I can say. Aegon the wanker is what I'm calling him right now. <laughs> like, look, look I, yeah, I ain't kick shaming anyone there, but I don't know that's, that's what you should be doing in that window at that time. I don't know. But that's just me. It's just do what you're going to do, man. But, uh, it's one thing for to you to look down on the commoners, but to do that down on the commoners is yeah. just a whole different. Thing. And I, I, and Allison, just to kind of 
I don't know. Can't even say overlooking. She sees. She gets, but just like, cool, sit down in this weird bed. You get the implication that it's like the 10th time, right? Like you you get the idea that this is a, this is a pattern. Yeah. It's also the way when that, when I see that scene happening, obviously you're wondering like what's going on. And then when Allison walks in, her first line is whose idea was it? Yeah. And you think she's talking about that. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. You're right. And it's about the pig uh, that Eamon got. As yeah. dressed up as a dragon. There, there was a, I was like, wait, you're not concerned about this <laughs> at all? There's a couple moments where lines led to jokes that were either intentional or unintentional. Uh, Renera has the, the line of the old monster now lifts its head and they cut to Viserys going, huh? <laughs> and just racing his head. That was a, a great moment there. Uh, big stuff. Yeah. Uh, a couple final moments here on the show uh, before we uh, head on out of here. Anything big left on the table for you, Andres? Oh, big left on the table for me. Probably just set up for next next week's episode for yeah. me. I'd probably I'd probably just go there uh, yeah. to to possibly what's going to happen with the kids and um, yeah, that's yeah. probably it. Yeah, no, and 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 that leads to maybe a final discussion point here, Alden. And please add anything you want or anything I may have missed here. Uh, we can only be on for so long before I need to go make chicken tenders in the air fryer. Um, but uh, you know, uh, this idea of running in the storm or fleeing from it—great conversation point. Uh, mm-hmm. First, kind of brought up by Lenor is like, well, here's what we do in our family. But then her kind of coming around, going, yeah, no, this is what we need to do. I love that moment. I love that moment when he looks up and says, "Dragonstone," like I said early. But I love when when Team Rhaenyra shows up a dragonstone it's a family portrait for the ages when they show up there i really like that moment leads us on yeah it's really powerful because it's it's a show of unity but it has that air of the show unity might be too late like it yeah. it, it, sh- it should have been triumphant of like yeah like reclaiming our own castle princess of dragonstone she's back, princess of dragonstone yeah, yeah yeah run around kids it's yours by right it's part of your inheritance it's part of being heir Mm-hmm. but it had an element of not defeat, but it, there's an air of damned if you do damned if you don't over the entire thing, yeah. because the reason why she stayed at King's Landing yeah. was so that this claim would never be threatened. But now to soothe the problems with the claim, you have to leave it open to being threatened. You yeah. have to leave. And and Lenor has that point of, you know, you, you leave, she'll put honey in her, in, in your father's ears or whatever the exact line is. Yeah. So it, I'm, I'm, I'm with you on all, on that all where I don't know if it's a moment of victory. I don't think it's a moment of defeat. I just think it's the next step. It's a key step, her setting up shop on Dragonstone. Um, but it's just intriguing. And to your point, Andres, of looking ahead, it's, it's, it's a great signpost on the road of we got some more fun coming, you know? Yeah, it really is. And I feel like it's an escape from a, a toxic environment in her perspective mm-hmm. where she does feel like the best way to avoid rumor mongering or just spreading of rumors or reinforcing rumors, if anything, is to just not be there whatsoever. Yeah. Uh, and the kid, the presence of the kids are not there for mm-hmm. the servants or the ladies to talk about. So mm-hmm. it's much easier for her to her have her discreet life with Lenor and just uh, yeah. wait for events to happen. Yeah. yeah. We'll see. Not the boyfriend. She said, yeah. bring him. Bring him. Yeah. No, look, I don't know if it's the right decision. I don't know if it's the wrong decision, but it's her decision. And I think that's what was important. Princess Renera 
made a decision here for herself. All right, gentlemen, we have uh, we have talked and talked and talked because it was a fun episode. A lot of things in there, questions, things we struggled with, things we worked through, things that might have uh, more value or meaning on Greater Rewatch, and scenes like the one with uh, Lena and Damon that I think I'm going to revisit a lot. It's one of those conversations that I think is um, – why I keep coming back to this realm, these realms in this world. So thank you, uh, gentlemen, for joining us here. Any final thoughts there, Alden, on uh, this episode? Uh, it's about to get stressful, everyone. Um, <laughs> yeah, that, and that's what's my coming? Thought. And, and, and the fight for, it's what you said just there, like decision-making, like it's a fight for agency. Yeah. That's what the entire thing is. Everybody's just trying to affect the world around them. Um, and not everyone sees the world the same. So I, I'm excited. I'm. I think this was definitely, like you said, the most, challenging episode which is not a criticism there's nothing wrong with it but it was the one that yeah. caused the most questions but to be a second pilot that almost needed to happen and so yeah. i think that they're in a strong place and you know for people that do know a little bit about the lore you two gentlemen book readers rachel book reader people like me that are like that know it by conversation or wiki or research or whatever these next few titles very explosive so yeah. ex- excited about that yeah, a lot of stuff coming. All right, we are out of here for this week. I want to thank you all for watching and supporting us there. Thank you all for uh, all of you who listen on the podcast side. You can find us wherever podcasts are found. Uh, we really appreciate that. And for those who watch and subscribe and, and hang around with us on YouTube, we appreciate that. We had a lot of fun going live uh, last week. We'll do that again soon. And thanks to your support, we're now a partner channel here on YouTube so we can continue to grow in a uh, uh, you know a uh, forward moving we forward moving fashion, we've made some decisions. They're our decision. We're moving forward there because of your support. Thank you very much. You can find me at Cadnapsuck or go to Cadnapsuck.com. Also, don't forget to follow us on Twitter at Castle Talk. Uh, if you are interested in seeing some stand-up comedy, uh, which I'm involved, uh, me and Mark Ellis are hitting the road. Uh, and you can go to my website, catapsuck.com, to get information on that. We'll be in New York City in uh, October, October 6th and 7th. We'll be in La Jolla, down at the Comedy Store there in Sandy, outside San Diego, the 14th through the 16th, and up in Seattle on the 28th. Uh, in October. And uh, that all leads up to Mark Ellis's comedy special one hour taping in Los Angeles, December 3rd. So come on out. We'd love to see you. And because of that, my, my face might be around here a little less, but don't worry. I'll be here for the big episode. So thanks to uh, Alden, Andreas, Rachel, Lord Romo, uh, Nikki Kumar, a lot of people coming in here, a lot more faces on the way to help us uh, share the load from that other property we're covering there. Andres, where can that f- they find you and all the wonderful, uh, insightful work you do? Yeah, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Squad Leader Ace, and obviously my YouTube channel First Cut and my TikTok First Cut. Yeah, where I'm posting more House of the Dragon thoughts. I'm still trying to grow it out. Uh, I posted Elena one last night, very very late last night. Uh, it's 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 there. It's there. <laughs> so go check that out. Please support this guy. I cannot tell. I've I've, I've known Andres now for man how long? Seven years? Eight years? been a bit since we met at a a con and he's one of my favorite in the space and very insightful uh very important perspective please follow him support him like you're supporting this channel here alden uh you know i've known you a couple years now you rap scallion and uh appreciate you having you around here where they can find uh, where can they find you and your other work it adds up uh four years in april since we met which is just ridiculous wow Um, but yeah 
Yeah, I know. It's weird. Back in back in Chicago. Chicago. Um, yes, uh, Star Wars talk over on Oxer Radio as uh, kicking off our Andor discussions, which I know both of you gentlemen, of course, also doing mm-hmm. Andor discussions happening because there isn't enough TV. We could probably, you know, we could use some more, right? There's not enough. We're not overloaded. Uh, doing that over there, interviews as well, of course. We just had the Ryan Johnson episode up. Thanks to everybody that's listened to that. It's been doing really well. I'm excited about it. I'm proud about it. Um, here on Casually Talk, of course, we're also going to be doing Rings of Power. Um, so that's exciting. Looking forward to discussing more of that. You can find me on Twitter personally, Twitter and Instagram at that Alden Diaz, T-H-A-T-A-L-D-E-N-D-I-A-Z. I do other projects from time to time popping around. I just wrote for Star Trek recently, hoping to do a little bit more of that. And we'll see what else happens. You know, that comedy show that Mark Ellis is doing in December is about six days between uh, before a certain Westeros style event also in L.A. So yeah. maybe a pop over that we'll see what happens on over pop on over all right that's it for this week thank you all for watching thank you all for listening this is casually talk we'll see you next time